Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. The New Testament book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 2. The book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 2. In the book of 1 Corinthians, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth has a lot of issues going on. And instead of showing up in person, because right now uh, the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus running a Bible institute and uh, training men and women for the ministry, that he doesn't feel the liberty to go all the way over to Corinth to try to fix them. So with pen and paper in hand and in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this letter. And now under the direction of Paul, they have gathered up all of the church, they have assembled together, and they're reading this letter out loud to the church to try to instruct them of how they are supposed to behave as the body of Christ, as the church of Corinth, as people of the Lord. Notice as we come now to chapter number two, 1 Corinthians chapter number two, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number one, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter two and verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even to the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for they had known it. They, for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things which are freely given to us of God. Which things we speak, 
not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 2? The book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 2, and notice a key phrase in verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, notice this phrase, demonstration of the Spirit. Demonstration of the Spirit. And with the Lord's help, we want to explain this from chapter 2. What does it mean, this demonstration of the Spirit? And how does it affect us? The demonstration of the Spirit. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house. Thank you that we have your Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us. We're thankful that you, we have your Holy Word, that you clearly tell us what you want. And we're thankful that the Holy Spirit can discern your Holy Word to apply it to our life. We could see this all is dependent upon you and not us. So because of that, even now, the best I know how I surrender myself to you, I give you my thoughts, my ideas, my words, my lips, my body, my ambitions, my goals, what I want to see accomplished. And I give them to you for the purpose that you can get your own work accomplished through your word by your precious spirit, that we can trust you to do your own work. And that even now, this wouldn't be a demonstration of man's wisdom, but it would be a demonstration of the spirit for you to get your own work accomplished with your power. In your name we pray. Amen. As the Apostle Paul has now written a letter to the church of Corinth. In chapter 2, he begins to explain his game plan of when he was at Corinth. Remember that several years before this, the Apostle Paul had come to the place of Corinth to start the church. He ended up being there for a year and a half, year and eight months, where he just worked with the people, discipled them, won many of these people to the Lord. He spent a lot of time with them, teaching them about Christ and him crucified. Now, as he goes and explains, he explains to the church of Corinth what he did and why he did it. And we know that there's some background things we'll talk about in a second, but he puts a great emphasis that while I was there, I I was determined not to show how smart I was. I was determined not to show how much I knew. I was determined to be dependent upon the Spirit and show you Christ. With that in mind, let's see as the Apostle Paul teaches us here uh, through, his precious, through God's precious word and God's Spirit, the first thing I want to show you is preaching with the Spirit. Preaching with the Spirit. Now, previously in chapter one, we saw on Wednesday night, this idea of preaching, the foolishness of preaching that God has determined 
by his spirit, by his own wisdom, that God wanted to use preaching to save people, to work and solve people's problems, people's spiritual issues, people's moral failures, that it was through preaching to solve anything. And we made a declarative statement that there is not a single thing that God cannot fix with preaching. That God has placed a great emphasis on preaching. And to the rest of the world, it's foolish. That word foolish in this case in Corinthians deals with the idea of stupid. That the world looks at us on a Sunday morning and hears preaching and hear a, a declarative statement that there's nothing that can be solved that can't be solved with preaching. And they're like, that's stupid. And they come up with education. They come up with programs. They come up with this and that. But God says preaching is what he's chosen to use. Why? Well, we see the reason why in chapter 2. It is because it must, good Bible preaching is dependent upon God's spirit. It's not dependent upon man. It's dependent on God's spirit. And that God can get his own work accomplished through the power of his Holy Spirit. This is why preaching is so effective. That it's not my words. It's not the person, the instrument. It is God that is getting his own work accomplished through Bible preaching. If you don't mind, let's just walk through this passage. And let's see some things as we start off with the preaching with the spirit. Notice with me in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. We could see as we start off that preaching is not done with excellency of speech. Paul deliberately avoided the natural advantages of being trained in public speaking. Paul knew the tricks he knew how to use speech to divide a crowd. He knew how to use a public speech to bring people together. He knew how to um, use speech to get an impact. He knew how to preach emotionally. He was trained in all of this. But he says, I'm not coming here with my public speaking classes. I'm not coming with my cemetery classes. I mean, my seminary classes. I'm not coming with all of my tricks, all of my things. And by the way, people are taught this. People are taught how to use power words. Um, did you know that there's an actual job, for those of you who are looking for a job, there are jobs out there who advise political speakers, politicians, which power words to use. And what they do is they bring in people and let them listen to famous speeches. And they watch as people respond to different words. And so maybe they'll just kind of cringe at a word. Okay, let's not use this. Maybe they'll kind of really... Uh, move body language will change when they hear a different word and they said these are power words and they'll give a list of power words to politicians so the power uh, the politicians can use these certain buzzwords to get a response to move people to say it in this sort of way and they actually have a lot of people with speech writers who plan which phrases to use this is what's going to give the best response this is the best way to get across this this is a way to avoid saying this subject. And so they do a lot of things in the public speaking world. And Paul was studied in public speaking. But he says, I came not to demonstrate any excellency of speech, not to show my wisdom, my earthly knowledge in this subject. I know how to do this. I know how to make people cry. I know how to get an emotional response. I know how to rally a crowd. 
But I came not with any of that. I didn't come with any of those tools. When I came to Corinth, I didn't come to show off my persuasive talents. I wanted God's spirit to do his own work. I could trust it. You know, the less discerning Corinthians, they loved Apollos' eloquent speech. He followed after Paul. After Paul left Corinth, Apollos came and he was a great eloquent speaker. And because of that, there was a lot of Corinthians that said, you know, Paul was kind of bland. Paul wasn't that exciting. Now, I know we as New Testament Christians who've read the books of Paul, we like go, what in the world just happened? Well, it's because Paul on purpose, he was led by the Spirit to not use his persuasive speech. He could have probably, you know, if we imagine our minds, out-preached Apollos. But Apollos, when he came, he was the polished preacher. He was eloquent. He sounded, he was fun to listen to. You listen to him and go, oh man, this guy, his words just flow well. And then Paul, Paul's just so simple. He puts all the cookies on the bottom shelf. He's just, he doesn't use big words. He explains, he keeps everything just so simple. And man, I just miss those days of Apollos when he would come in. We would get fired up. I meant his, his preaching was great, but we're stuck with this Paul guy. Well, that was a purposeful choice that Paul made. He wanted to make sure it wasn't him. He didn't want to come up and stir up the crowd. He didn't want to have his ideas, his plans, his words. He wanted it to be all about God. He said, let's try this out. Let's let God do his own work and see if God can still work without all my tricks, without all my public speaking uh, knowledge. Let's let God work. Imagine that. You know, that gives anyone hope. Now, I believe that we could sharpen ourselves the best we can. But when it's all said and done, it's all dependent upon God. Let God do his own work. Just move out of the way and let the Holy Spirit have free reign. We're not trying to get emotional decisions. We're trying to get people to respond to God. Let's not use our words. Let's not use this. Notice again, verse one, for I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, he says, but what I did was declare unto you the testimony of God. The word testimony of God is a different way of saying the word of God. We see that quite often in Psalm 119. He says, I just came to declare to you what God said about himself. I just came to tell you what the Bible said. And I know for some people, they don't like Bible preaching. They want the exciting preacher. They want the preacher to tell the stories. They want the preacher to pull that emotional strings. They want when people come out, there's tears and they want to feel good about themselves. They want that story just to hit right here. He said, I thought I'd try something different. Let's not preach about Paul. Let's just not show how smart I am. Let's just go back and just preach what the Bible said and let God do its own work. But that sounds boring. Yeah, but that's where God works. He says, let's go back to Bible preaching. Preach thus, saith the Lord. Notice, if you don't mind, as we now hit chapter 2 and verse number 2. He says, for I determine not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's a pretty bold thing. I determine not to know anything. Now, this is the Apostle Paul who 
could have degrees upon his office wall to show how smart he was. He was educated. He knew so much. He had such privileges. He says, I came not to preach about education, history, speech, all these things. I came just knowing one subject, Christ and him crucified. Now, context pays a lot of importance on here. Before the apostle Paul came to the Corinth to start the church of Corinth. He had started with um, the city of Athens. While he was in the city of Athens, Paul sees all of the idolatry and he gets stirred up. He goes over to Mars Hill and he begins to preach a great powerful message. And if you study the message in Acts 17, which a lot of people do, they say it is one of the greatest messages in all of history. In Acts chapter 17, he refers to history. In Acts chapter 17, in that message to the the people in Athens, he brought up their own philosophy. He brought up their own mythologies. He brought up their way of doing things. He went and did everything a public speaker possibly could. And he hit all the right bells. And he built up a crowd. But what happened is that there was very little results. The greatest speech in all the world. And the result was, hey, you know what? We want to hear more about this. That's it. Not enough to get saved. Not enough to make a decision. They said, oh, this sounds really good. We like hearing this type of stuff. And whereas that may sound good to an average public speaker, the apostle Paul said, I failed. The greatest speech in all the world didn't have the results because it was Paul, his message. Powerful message, a message worth studying. But he said he didn't get the results. So when he comes to Corinth, fresh off of Athens, he says, you know what? I'm going to try something different. I know history. I know science. I have education. There's a lot I could refer to. I could tell things about the history of Corinth that the Corinthians didn't know. I know the Greek mythology like the back of my hand. I could refer to that. But he says, you know what? I'm going to set all that aside. And Just being their pastor, I'm just going to preach the Bible. I'm going to make it simple. And I'm going to show them Christ. And I'm going to let God work. Amazing. Think about that. Not having to know about all of these other things. Do you know as a preacher, I don't have to come up with a message. Just have to preach what God says. And let God do his own work. We make it simple. Now, of course, we could certainly preach a lot about science. We could preach a lot about history. And those things sound good. But when it's all said and done, it's the word of God that people need. And it's through the word of God that God's spirit works and affects lives. We can trust him. We don't have to use public speaking tricks. The apostle Paul said, I'm going to do an experiment and see what happens. And an amazing thing happened. The church of Corinth became one of the biggest churches there. Plenty of people to preach to. Plenty of people to disciple. Plenty of people to work with in the next year and a half, year and eight months. Amazing, because he said, I'm going to let God do his own work. I'm going to just open up the Bible. I'm going to keep it simple. He said, I determined not to know anything except for Christ and him crucified. I just came to teach you Christ, not all these other things. Now, again, public speakers, we all have people, oh, man, I love to hear, listen to his science, listen to his history. But who does God use? The ones who keep it simple. And let's just teach God and his word. Christ and his crucif- him crucified. Let's trust that God can do his own work through his precious spirit. Let's 
keep things simple. Notice as we continue to go on. Verse number three. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now don't overstate, uh, uh, miss verse number three. Paul at this time had been suffering through physical weakness. And during his time in Corinth, he didn't attempt to hide the weakness. Now, again, a lot of preachers do this. And again, we're not trying to be mean. It's just a natural thing. Well, I can't show weakness. I can't show that I'm imperfect. I've got to be perfect at all time. Paul says, you know what? I give up doing pretenses. When I came here, I came to show it's Christ and Christ alone. It's not me. And I'm broken. You know, at this time, Paul is actually suffering through a depression because of some of the failures and some of the things going on. He's got a lot of things weighing on him. And he said, you know, it's not about me anyway, so I don't have to put on a front. I don't have to put on and said, in order to be used of God, you have to be perfect and have everything in a row. No, it's quite simple. I just got to say I'm nothing and God's everything. Let's just make it simple. He says, this is what we're doing. <laughs> I'm not putting on airs. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to use great speech. I'm not using all my public speaking classes. We're just keeping it simple. We're talking about Christ, letting God do his own work, and letting people know that I'm weak too. Aren't you glad that the apostle Paul, so many people think of him as a super Christian. Verse number three says, I'm not a super Christian. I'm a weak, frail sinner like the rest of us. And that the message is not dependent on me. It's dependent on Christ. Just let Jesus do his own work. Let God do his own work. Let the spirit do its own work. We can trust him. He says, I came with much trembling. He says, I'm trying this new thing. I'm, I, can you imagine how hard it is for a public speaker who's well-trained to say, I'm getting rid of all the tricks? I'm not hitting the emotional heartstrings. I'm not trying to get the big thing with the rousing applause that I'm just saying, let's open the Bible, preach the Bible, and trust God to do his work. He says, this is different. Without the tricks, to trust God to do his work, there was a lot of trembling, a lot of fear. What happens if it doesn't work? We can trust God. Just keep it simple and talk about Christ. That's helpful to anybody, whether you're a preacher or you're a teacher, whether you're doing discipleship, whether you're teaching a class, keep it simple. Just talk to them about Christ. Open up God's word. Be dependent upon him and let God use you as a broken vessel. God can do his own works. Notice if you don't mind as we continue on verse number four. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words a man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Once again, he's not using Greek philosophy. He is not trying to come up with his own ways. He's not trying to use all the facts that he known and studying encyclopedias. So that way he, or today's world, Wikipedia, trying to learn all of the things of the ins and out. I'm just trying to preach Christ. Keep it simple. Bring it down to their level. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I'm not trying to use my own weapons, my own tools. We can trust God to do his work. But in demonstration of the spirit and power. 
Let's let God do his own work. Trust him. You know, as a preacher, it is helpful when I realize I don't have to convince people. If my job was to convince people, I'd be miserable all the time. Anytime someone disagreed with me, I would feel frantic and I would take it personally. That's not a life to live. But if I'm dependent upon God, I'm just a messenger boy. I give them the message and it is God's job to convince them. It is God's job to convict them. It's God's job to draw them to a place of decision. The weight is off my shoulders. I am healthier because of it, because it's not dependent upon me. Let God do his work. Just open up God's word and let God get it accomplished. Keep it simple. You know, this is helpful because I meet preachers all the time. I meet teachers all the time who put so much pressure on themselves to learn all these little tricks. They go through the public speaking. By the way, I'm not opposed to becoming the best instrument possible. But if you're learning all the tricks so that way you could employ them all the time. I meet preachers all the time who all they do is tell the sad stories, get people weeping and crying and say, oh, look at the meeting that we had. No, no, no. How many disciples were made? How many people followed the Lord because of this? How many people made decisions and stay close to the Lord after you leave? That's something that I can't do. That's something that God has to do. Just trust God to do his own work. Open up his word. Again, that takes a burden off of me. Let God do his own work. Keep it simple. Notice if you don't mind in verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse number five carries the idea that the goal is to get people to trust God and not me. If people were just moved by my messages, you know what that means? I need more messages like that to keep it going. And what happens is that they build a thing where my message has to be bigger and better and more powerful and more thing. And there's a letdown in the crowd that if a, uh, a preacher has a less than message. Well, if you're preaching the Bible, there's no such thing as a less than message. Amen. As long as the Bible is open, we could trust God to do his work. So that means I could preach the whole Bible. You know, there's certain preachers or teachers who won't preach certain passages because they say they're too boring? Well, the people just won't like it. No, I'm supposed to preach the whole counsel of God. Later on this year, we're going to teach the tabernacle. You know why the tabernacle is not taught on? Because a lot of people think it's boring. Well, let's find out if it's boring or not when we go through it. We could trust God to do his own work. We could just preach the whole counsel of God and not just have just a couple what we call sugar stick messages. The one that's really sweet and gets everyone all excited. We need to let God's word do its own work. And so if I have a less than message, as long as the Bible opens, we can expect God to work. My wife can give testimony. There are times I walk out of here and say, man, I just blew it. My wife says, that was a great message. What are you talking about? Because it's not dependent upon me. God could do his own work, even if I feel lesser than. Again, for anyone who teaches a class, anyone who preaches, anyone who does a devotion, this is helpful. You are just a vessel. Read the text, 
explain the text, apply the text. Let God do its own work. Keep it simple. You know, that, that helps free me up. I got a lot more time to put together messages. Why? Because I don't have to find little tricks. I don't have to find a poem and a song. I don't have to find some way to make this work. I don't have to come up with some great adventurous tale to finally make it exciting. Read the text, explain the text, apply the text, and expect God to do his own work. Now, again, the rest of the world sees preaching as foolish. They hear this at a public speaking class and they're like, they're crazy. Never follow that advice. You have to be dynamic. You have to be able to get your pauses. I mean, I watch these people in those public speaking classes. They have a little thing, cough here, pause here, sigh here. Yeah, that's actually, they teach you, you have to program that into your messages. I just cough whenever I want. No, (laughs) they have a thing, insert joke here, smile here. They have that all in their notes. It's all mechanical. It's all put together. I won't say a current political person who will actually read that. They had to stop taking them out because when it would come up in the teleprompter, he would say, smile here and then go on with a speech. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's pre-programmed in the world. So when we say, let's keep it simple, read the text, explain the text, apply the text and expect God to work. It blows their mind because it goes against all of their teaching. It goes against what they're trying to program everyone else to. And again, I'm not opposed to that. Those are good classes to take. But our dependence is not on the classes and the skills and man's wisdom. It's trusting God to do his own work through his word. That means that any one of us can preach God's word, to teach God's word, to explain God's word, to witness to someone and let God's word get it accomplished. Because God can do his own work. Just trust him. That takes a big weight off of us. So as we start off and we're explaining this, we see that first of all, that preaching is with the spirit. Proclaiming, telling God's truth is with the spirit. Not with our tricks, not with our wisdom, not with other things that we learn. It's the idea of trusting God to do his own work and we can. The second thing I want to show you in this text is the world's ignorance of the spirit. The world's ignorance of this spirit. Notice with me in verse number six. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. Now Paul is referring <coughs> not to the wisdom the world has, but the wisdom that comes from those who are spiritually mature. Notice in verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God hath ordained unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for they had known it, or for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Here, the Apostle Paul is saying that for those who know Christ personally, What happens is that God gives us an understanding that we're able to preach. The word mystery in the Bible is not what we find in a mystery book today. The word mystery in the Bible is a word that means something previously hidden but is now revealed. What is the mystery of Christ? That Christ was going to die on the cross for our sins and that it was Christ robed in flesh. 
He said, if the people understood the ministry, mystery, that it was God robed in flesh dwelling among us, they wouldn't have killed him. Right? If you knew that it was God that you were killing, you probably would think twice about it as well. It was something previously hidden, but is now revealed. The world doesn't understand God and doesn't understand how God has chosen to reveal himself. In the Bible, especially in Corinthians here, there are three ways that God has chosen to reveal himself. The first way and the primary way that God has chosen to reveal himself is through the word of God. That this is a book about God. It's not a book about man. It is a book about God. And this is how God has chosen to reveal himself. The second way that God has chosen to reveal himself as shown us in the book of Corinthians is that God has chosen to reveal himself through preaching. God has chosen to reveal himself through preaching. What do you mean by this? That as God uses a preacher to open up the Bible, to read the text, to explain the text, to apply the text, that you as the audience, the congregation, learn more about Christ as God the Holy Spirit opens up what the preacher's saying and makes it make sense. You know more about Christ because of the preaching that you have. Now, I hope that you learn about Christ through your Bible reading, but many of you can say, I've learned a lot about Christ by sitting in a church. By letting a preacher open up the Bible and explain the text. And things fell together. Things made sense. God has chosen to reveal himself through the foolishness of preaching. To make himself known. For us to have a better understanding of him through preaching. And specifically Bible preaching. As opposed to goofball preaching. But just opening the Bible. Revealing the Bible. A third way that God has chosen to reveal himself is through Jesus Christ who is the expressed image of God. And that if you want to know who God is, you learn about Christ. And when you learn about Christ, you know who God is. God has chosen to reveal himself through Christ. And again, the world doesn't know this spirit. They don't know this Christ. They don't know God. And so they are without. And all of this stuff doesn't make sense because all of this stuff is spiritually discerned. Which is our third thing we want to show you is that God reveals by his spirit. That God reveals by his spirit. Notice with me in verse number nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Oh, what a wonderful verse. If that's not one of your verses you've learned to memorize, memorize that one. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. God has so much more for you than what you could even imagine. And you let God do his own work, you'll learn more than you could even thought was possible. Letting God do his own work. Notice verse 10. But God hath revealed them, which them? The things that we didn't know. The things that we uh, have not uh, seen nor heard nor entered into our heart. God had revealed those things by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all the things, yea, the deep 
things of God. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to illuminate us with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that there are some things that we cannot learn naturally? Meaning that without the Holy Spirit's help, there are some things we just can't know. The Holy Spirit's job is to show us the things that we could not know by our own observation, by our own testing. Notice if you don't mind in verse 11. For what man know for what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god Do you know that even the things of man cannot be fully discovered without the help of god Remember that we as humans are made up of three parts 1 Thessalonians 5:23 says that we're made up of spirit soul and body Now, we can understand the body because we could see it. We could test it. We could feel it. But how can you scientifically test the spirit? How can you scientifically test a soul and what a soul is? We can't. Those are invisible things. Those are intangible things. And because of that, we cannot study the soul. I met some people have tried throughout history that they've killed someone. They open them up and try to see if the soul was going to come out. They've done tests where someone dies and they try to see if they could um, uh, see the soul gift up. They've, they've even done so much where they weighed a body and have a person on a scale and try to see how much weight they lost right when they died and see how much a spirit weighed. So, I mean, they've done all of this stuff. But there's very limited testing you could do on something intangible, something invisible. But do you know that if you learn the God who created us and learn about him. He could tell us what we are made of and how we work and tell us about the invisible parts of us. That the best way to study man is not by studying man. It's by studying God who made man, who can tell us more about man than we could ever find out ourselves. He knows more about his creation than we can, than we do. Verse number 12. Now we have received Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. God has allowed us to know what God has revealed by his word through his spirit. There are things that God wants us to know. And the only way that we'll know them is by his spirit revealing it to us. By his spirit telling and teaching it to us. We need his spirit. Otherwise, those without God's spirit are ignorant. Not meaning a bad word, but the idea that they just don't have knowledge of. Someone who does not know Jesus as their savior never knows what it is like to be forgiven. Those who um, don't know Jesus as their savior do not know true peace. There are certain things that they cannot know without the spirit of God. The spirit of God is necessary and God has chosen to reveal, open, unveil things to us, but only by his spirit. And there's many things that God wants us to freely know, meaning there's no price, there's no charge, there's no secret handshake, there's no ritual. God wants us to know wonderful free things given by his spirit. Notice as it goes on in verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, 
comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The unsaved man cannot understand the spiritual things because the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell within them. However, if you are saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And as I preach God's word, you know what happens? That God is inside of you can say that's true. That's right. The Spirit teaches you. He backs up the message. He's the one who opens it up. That's true. That's true. And you learn about spiritual things because the Holy Spirit of God's inside of you. And you can compare spiritual things with spiritual things as the Holy Ghost is our best teacher. He's the one who shows us what's true. He's the one that shows us what's right. Verse number 14 again. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. Remember this word foolishness in 1 Corinthians is stupid. When we say that God can solve problems through Bible preaching, they say that's stupid. When we say that you can know more about God by reading your Bible, they say that's stupid. Hey, you can have direction in your life and God can guide you. That's stupid. They say that the things that are spiritual are stupid, are foolishness unto them. Neither can he, the natural man. By the way, the natural man, let's define it. The natural man is someone who is not saved. Someone who's not saved cannot know the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God does not dwell within him. Neither can he know them for they are spiritually discerned. He cannot know these things because he doesn't have the Spirit who is showing him that these things are true. This is why when we are just preaching, people who are not saved, they think this message is like, what in the world is going on? It doesn't make sense to them. They need to get saved first so they can understand Bible messages like this. We know that there's a maturity to listen to preaching. That's why church services, by the way, are not for lost people. Church services are for saved people, for the Holy Spirit of God to work and draw them in, for them to make decisions. Our purpose is to go out to the lost people to show them how they can know Christ as their Savior so they can have the Holy Spirit so then they can discern the spiritual things. So with that in mind, a church service is not designed for lost people. A church service is designed for saved people who can be spiritually discerned and understand the things that are taught to them from God's precious word. That helps us quite a bit. Notice as we go on in verse 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he judgeth no man. Verse 15, it's speaking about that if you are spiritual, you could judge or discern. That's what the word judge here is the idea of discernment, the same as verse number 14. That he could is a spiritual discerner of all things, yet he is judged of no man. Meaning that if I am following after God, then there's nothing to accuse me of. I have the Holy Spirit who can guide me in all truth, who can guide me in the way that I ought to do, go. And if I'm following after God, then no man can judge me or accuse me of doing wrong because I'm following after him. I'm protected. Verse 16, for who knoweth the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Verse 16 gives a statement that no one can, is spiritual enough to go talk to God, say, God, let me give you some advice of how you need to fix this. Now, we've all tried. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you have given God advice in prayer? 
God, uh, if you want to get this, it'd be really nice for you to go work on Bob. Go beat up Bob for a little bit. Get him right with God. And then all this other stuff will get fixed out. We all like to tell God how to do stuff, how to solve it, how to fix it. God, well, you know, all my problems will be solved if you let me win the lottery. I mean, just, just letting you know. You know, we love to tell God how to fix things. But none of us are spiritually discerning enough to be able to tell God what to do. However, because of the spirit of God, we can have the mind of Christ. Meaning we can have an understanding of what God is trying to get accomplished. And what God is doing. That God can tell us by his spirit, give us spiritual discernment, and we could understand God's mind on the matter. What is God doing with this? He doesn't need my advice, but I can learn to understand what he is doing and why. And that helps me. That's part of having the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The Holy Spirit is an important part of the Christian experience. And when the Holy Spirit's with us, we can have the demonstration of spirit, the demonstration of power in our preaching, in our discernment, in our working with people. It is the Holy Spirit that gets the work accomplished, not man's wisdom. Not man's ways, not our planning and our scheming and our conniving. We can trust God, not just in preaching, but in our everyday life, in our dealings with other people. We could surrender ourselves and let God have control and let him get his work accomplished. Give an example. All of us have tried to reach our people at work and we've come up with all of our schemes We put the plate of brownies in the break room and then have it covered with tracks. And they have to remove the tracks to get the brownies. And they do. And we wonder why I didn't get saved. We come up, how do I talk to this person? How do I corner them? How do I get them so they can't move? And they they have no choice. You know, we come up with schemes. You laugh, but we've all done stuff like that. We all figure out how can we get them so they have to listen to us. And we, we spend time, a lot of time, thinking about what can we do to get them to listen to us. When we could have said, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be a vessel. Whenever you give me the opportunity to give me the words to say, and I'm going to let you do your own work. We use a lot less brain power that we can concentrate on something else. But we even scheme and manipulate. We do that with friends and family who are away from the Lord. We try to figure out some way to convince them. If I could say this and if I could do this and we come up with plans and schemes. Oh, I'm going to have the nicest dinner in the world. And I'm going to sit them down and I'm going to treat them like royalty. And they're going to look at me and say, what's going on? And I'm going to give them this eloquent speech. And all of a sudden they're going to weep. And they're going to realize how horrible of a person they were. And then all of a sudden they're going to be, and it doesn't work. We can trust God to work in our relationships to work with our friendships, to work in us, just like we can expect God to work in biblical preaching. Keep it simple. I'm going to trust God and let him do his own work. I come to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. We can trust God's spirit to get his work accomplished and his spirit has lots of power. The Apostle Paul comes to the church of Corinth and said, I came to do an experiment with you. I came to know nothing except for Christ to him crucified. The demonstration of God's spirit. And guess what? God did a work. That it wasn't Paul that was doing it. It was God that was doing a work. We can trust God's spirit. Now, again, if you just take the application that we need the Holy Spirit when someone's preaching, then you say, well, this message is not for me. But it goes beyond just preaching. 
you need God's spirit in your relationships. You need God's spirit at work. You need God's spirit for your family. You need to get out of the way and let God do his own work. Stop trying to scheme. Stop trying to manipulate. Stop trying to make it work. Trust God. Be obedient to what he's given to you. And let him get his own work accomplished. What area of your life is God speaking to you about now? Maybe you have a person in mind. Maybe you have a situation in mind where you say, Lord, I've done everything I can. I thought I had the right words. I thought they would break this time and it didn't. I can trust you. Just tell me what to do and I'll be obedient. And we'll be amazed what happens. The amazing things that can happen when we let God get his own work accomplished and we stop trying to help. We stop trying to give God advice. We stop trying to fix things ourselves. Let God work. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.